When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Heyo, welcome in to the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I look really short right now. Uh, I am Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me is the Giants, uh, Vinny Duber. Follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer and Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Eckernwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Um, we got a new little bit we're going to try. We're going to try to predict the future in uh, certain categories. Going to start in the hit category today. Then we're going to go into the Monday mailbag. And we've talked a little bit about the ideal bull, uh, the ideal rotation and the ideal lineup. will be tough to do an ideal bullpen uh, with circumstances. But we'll talk about the bullpen and what it might look like on opening day. Um, that way it will be a little bit easier of a discussion. But... Uh, Excited to talk uh, White Sox here. Um, and what's up, Bryce and KPW in the chat? Uh, and thank you, KPW. It tells me I, I always look short. Uh, it's probably true. Um, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Um, let's jump in uh, to uh, something that I found interesting here. Uh, it was from Baseball America, J.J. Cooper. And we've been talking a lot about the shorter games that have been happening. And I think you brought up uh, whether beer would be uh, adjusted or even uh, concession prices. And uh, J.J. Cooper dug into all 120 minor league stadiums and asked around uh, just like, hey, Man, more sales. To have, to have that kind of time. Hey, <laughs> and he did it. Uh, he's a warrior for doing it. Uh, but uh, basically um, what he said, and I have this part highlighted, a fourth operator said that concession revenue actually went up. He also noted that their post-game promotions where kids run the bases were attended because families were much more willing to stick around for the entire game, which he took as a positive sign for developing young fans. Multiple operators also noted that the game day employees have said how happy they are with the change since they are getting home half an hour earlier Mm -hmm. than they were before. But most concession people are like, no, usually during a three-hour game, the seventh and eighth and ninth innings don't sell a lot of stuff. As someone who's worked in a concession stand at a minor league ballpark, that is anecdotally true. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Mr. Cooper there, who you heard, you've, hung, you've hung with Mr. Cooper. Right? Um, uh, <laughs> he dug into the actual numbers, but anecdotally, I can tell you, yeah, once you hit those late innings, you're just waiting. You're just waiting for things to uh, wrap up. You get like one kid who runs up for the big three feet long bag of popcorn, and that's about it. <laughs> he finally bugged his parents, too. Right, uh, right. Or, or maybe dad's a, a little bit too deep in, and, you know, hey, the wallet's, uh, the wallet's flowing, kids. Uh, but, you, I mean, you know, we, we I don't know. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It, it's good for everybody. Like, it, they say money still gets better when you're having a shorter game, I would imagine. But I would also wonder how that affects major league ballparks. Minor league ballparks aren't as well populated. You know, when you're at guaranteed rates, sometimes those lines are a little bit longer. And so I just want them to understand that this is going to be a problem for somebody initially to adjusting to these faster games. The pace is faster. People want to drink. And so there was also a survey that the White Sox and their fandom drinks the most out of any fan base in Major League Baseball. Anecdotally, 
I don't know if that's true. There's been a couple fights at White Sox ballpark. We're a little rowdy. Couple? Yeah, a couple. One, but two. I don't know if you mean like a night, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, there's tailgating at White Sox ballpark, which it doesn't happen at every one. So I think that is part of it too. Uh, you know, pre-game drinking, in-game drinking, after game drinking. So I think that I hope the Major League Baseball and their operators understand people are gonna be pissed if they're in the sixth inning and you're like, oh, we're cutting off sales because Probably is only an hour left in the game. We don't want you to be driving home drunk. So now you need to think about things like that and just on the fly. So I don't know why they, why they cut it off in the first place. You know, responsible people are never going to drink after a certain amount because they know their limits. And irresponsible people are going to push that limit anyways and drive home drunk anyway. So, but I just want people to have a good time because the ballpark is my sanctuary. It's a fun place. No matter what I say on this thing about the White Sox and their organization, I have a good time every time I hit guaranteed rate field. And that's a testament to the White Sox and how they play baseball and how they have that atmosphere out there. So it's good that people are still making money in the minor leagues, even though the games and the pace is quicker. Right. Hopefully, again, it's just a better product for all of baseball. Um, this is for the first seven White Sox games, uh, 232 for spring training, uh, 232, 236, 233, 228, 232, 233, and 226. Keep the momentum going. Isn't that yes. fun? Isn't that, isn't oh, that great? Oh, God. Um, it's, just, it's just consistency. And the, the joke now is just basically what can you – match up with Pedro Baez throwing a pitch in the 2016 NLCS uh, and you know what it's a minute 30 where like the catcher's doing this and the, and the, 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 the guards he's, he's throwing every single signal down Pedro Baez is shaking him off David Ross keeps doing this with the bat just being like alright let's go here we go here we go alright time out and then you know finally uh, but there's like Wandy Peralta who threw three uh, pitches you know you could play seconds yeah you could play Wandy Peralta striking that guy out five times before <laughs> Pedro Baez throws a pitch and the so, thing uh, is, and that, nice. and that, and that broadcast, Joe Buck is exasperated. He feels <laughs> it. You can tell. Hey, uh, Ken Rosenthal, okay, what do you have to waste some time before the next pitch is thrown? Because he knows that Pedro Baez is taking an inordinate amount of time. That is the 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 poster boy, as you say, for slow pitching. That doesn't happen in every major league baseball game. No. But also, there was one that would just happened last year with uh, Mark Hanna. Pretty much just stepping out of the box, like one foot in the box, and just, hmm, he threw me a fastball. Hmm. He was, like, thinking <laughs> for, like, 20 seconds before he stepped back in the box. And somebody's like, well, he's still in the box. Like, no, now that would be a strike on him. you got to stay in the box and address the pitcher before eight seconds is gone. This is going to take an adjustment, but I think everybody, every baseball fan is going to like this. Even the baseball players are going to like it. Initially, it's going to take some time for them to adjust because they're used to their whole thing. As uh, Vinny's guy, Nomar Garcia Parra, if he was playing right now, I think he would have to just adjust, you know, adjust the straps real, real quickly. Just go real fast in the batting gloves. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think what I think what the pitch clock will probably tell us is that all of this nonsense prior to this year could have been like totally avoided. Like you, you mentioned, like oh, the stepping out of the box, calling time. It all had nothing to do with the actual, you know hitting a baseball. It all had everything to do with like mental gamesmanship and trying to one up everybody. And listen, that's part of the game. I understand it. But like now we're going to go to an era where that is just out the window because you literally do not have time to do that. And guess what? Baseball's still going to just be baseball and it will go on unencumbered. Uh, and we're just going to be like, what were we sitting around watching all, all these guys <laughs> stare into space and take time and, and, you know, pause forever on the mound? What were we doing? Why were we doing that? And I think <laughs> it's going to bring more people out to the ballpark, too, because they're like, it's under three hours. And like you said, yes. kids get to run the bases on Sundays. 
I'm going to stay around because, you know, after three hours, your kid's tired. He wants to go home. He or she wants to go home. They got school the next day. I don't got time for all this. Now it's two and a half hours? Go ahead, kids. Well, and I think the same applies to watching it at home, too. You know what I mean? Like, I think you probably see ticket sales be about the same at least this first year. Maybe it'll go up over time. But, like, I think the big thing is getting somebody to turn it on at home. You know what I mean? It's not like a, oh, my God, I got to block out four hours of my night and I can't go to bed until 11 o'clock because I got to watch the end of the baseball game. No, thank you. I'll watch, you know, two episodes of TV and go to bed. Now it's a little more easy to to, to plan around. And you can say, all right, well, tonight we're going to watch this. And, you know, it's easy to, to pop your kid in front of it and uh, probably get a lot more viewers on TV initially than you will necessarily going up to the ballpark but that too can obviously lead to that since the world cup i've been watching more soccer and that is you know 90 minutes you know and you have a little bit no of commercials time. no commercials <laughs> um you know uh, extra time gets a little bit weird you know why is there really nine dumb. minutes uh yeah it's it, it's it's dumb but still it's about 100 minutes of time and that's really nice to just commit your afternoon to um so you know i've, I've really enjoyed that and hopefully baseball gets back to that you know, uh, it's just a nice wee little three hours, right? Yeah. Um, and two and a fire- half, yeah, right. Well, you know, <laughs> the, the, to get there and back, yeah. uh, but even fireworks too, you know, like oh, yeah. you know, it's not going to be going off at like eleven thirty. Um, and Mailman Jack, uh, my Southside guy, always talks about the Metro Rock Island that always ruined my night because it's like, oh well, great, I will be either taking a home train home at ten fifteen or twelve thirty. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, it's always no in between. There's no in between, so you just gotta you know either bite the bullet and leave early or wait you know hours just at the platform. And usually it's cold, so I don't want to. Yeah, as a guy who used to do both the board for Cubs and White Sox and the Bulls. When I went to do the Bulls game, I was like, man, this is a breeze. Those mm-hmm. games are over before three and a, three hours every single time because they just like go, 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 go. There was, no, <laughs> there was no consistent thing with the Cubs, especially when doing the board for a 670 to score. I would be doing a nine-inning game. It would be 417. I'm like, what, what do we need this for? What, four hours of me sitting on this chair pushing buttons? No, <laughs> go quicker. If there's a four-hour and 17-minute game now – that be- game better have been 12 innings. 12. It better at least minimum 12 innings. I that, You're talking about doubling the length of the game at this point. I think it's going to be – that game would have to be about 18 or 19 innings. And they're still doing that dumb thing, <laughs> And too. the ghost and, runner, and, yeah. Oh, they're still doing that dumb thing, even though I actually kind of like it now. That's permanent now. Is it? Oh, yeah. yeah. That ain't going away. I don't like it. My idea should you be – You don't like it? My idea like it. would be go nine innings, then three extra innings. If it's not solved by then, everybody gets a home run derby. One through nine, one pitch. If you hit a home run, you hit one. If you don't, you're out. Why? The, the ghost runner rule is bad because the pitcher can be perfect and, and still lose. Yes. No, that's exactly you should what not. You should not. You you should only lose if someone outgames you. You know what I mean? Outplays you, and the pitcher in this situation can do everything right. Get three outs in a row. And a run can score. But it wouldn't count as an earned run, would it? No. It, well, no, yeah, but that's just unearned. stats. I mean, you're talking about the outcome of the game, right? You're talking what's a pitcher's job to prevent a run from scoring so your team wins the game. He can do everything that he needs to do in order to do that. But because there's a guy on second base, ground out, fly out, boom, run. And they know? charge yeah. that L to him. And I'm sure during arbitration and free agency, they're like, hey, you lost seven games. Like, three of those were those extra inning garbage games. What are you talking about? Give me my money type of thing um they should have an extra thing like in hockey where it's like win loss overtime i think draw loss. yeah yeah you should have an extra loss like i won seven games lost three and i had three overtime losses i think extra you should time just, losses no extra innings 
It just there's 162 games. And just one there's time. nine innings. There's enough at bats. There's 27 at bats for you to score effing runs. I think just have it be a draw because you're 100% right. Like I, I, Joe Kelly can strike somebody out, but Yasmani Grandal isn't the best blocker or whatever. And, you know, his knuckle curve gets away. Well, but that that's runner even, advances up to third, you know, and that could happen. Right. No, that's and, even you, your team screwing up. Right. I'm talking about nothing. You, Your team does nothing wrong yeah, at yeah. all. Ground yeah. ball to short, <laughs> ground ball to second, guy goes to third, ground ball to second, run scores, right. ground ball to third. Innings over, you've got to run out of the I, I used to be very, very anti-tie. I still think it's ludicrous that there are ties in the NFL when, you know, college football has shown you a very fine way to not have ties. But I think you're right. I think I agree with you. I would rather see a third stand, a third column in the standings for, for ties in baseball more than I would want this extra inning rule. I don't yeah. like this extra inning rule. And then, you know what we could do in the playoffs? Have extra innings. Just keep going. It's, it's just normal. Like in hockey. Like in hockey. Yeah, right. right. Just keep just, going. Right. Which is normal. Yeah. Um, and then that would be crazy where it's 18 innings. Like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm staying right. for an 18-inning exactly. right. game. Uh, it's like this the, game is different than the regular season <laughs> right. games. This game counts a lot more. Yeah, Rob Manfred sucks. Um, wow. Anyways, uh, let's take a quick break um, and let you know about DraftKings Sportsbook, their official sports betting partner of CHGO. I'm, I'm going to be setting my own lines uh, a little bit later. We're going to be talking about most hits for the White Sox in 2023. So uh, get your betting hats out, boys. Uh, I, I placed some lines on this, uh, and I, you know, I p- placed it and uh, was inspired by DraftKings Sportsbook, the best sportsbook out there. Uh, you got NBA No Sweat Same Game parlays uh, going on. If you place a bet up to $10 and your bet loses, you get a Bonus bet up to $10 back. Uh, I got a NHL parlay for you. We love a revenge narrative. Alex Dabrinkit coming back to the United Center for the first time uh, since being traded. I like him to score a goal. Ottawa to score first and them to win by one and a half goals. That's at plus 300 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, and there's also MLB future bets. Uh, we talked about Aloy Jimenez uh, and his home run total on CHGO bets over 29 and a half. I like the over. So download the app now and sign up with code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also got to let you know about game time. I bring up Alex Dabrinkit. I bring up the Blackhawks. Why not go see a Blackhawks game tonight? They're playing the Ottawa Senators. Game time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you ever dreamed of sitting on the glass at a hockey game, I once did it for uh, the the state finals, uh, the ISH state finals. St. Rita played a different team, uh, and I don't remember who won, but I sat up on the glass, and man, it's fun to watch those guys skate. Probably. Yeah, they're Could always be. in it. Um, Catholic League has hockey, huh? Who? Catholic, Catholic League has oh, yeah, hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Brothers yeah. is a hockey team. That's cool. There's Mount Carmel. A, Mount Carmel, I guess, has one. Yeah. Yeah. I think Marist has one. There's a, a nice new arena in uh, in on the south side, like 115th in uh, Western. Maybe it's like 117th in Western. Uh, it's a nice little... Uh, I was out in that area yesterday. For what? Uh, met up with Jay Sawaski, who oh, was CHO Blackhawks, and two of our former uh, colleagues at uh, The Score. We had uh, Rose Angeles. Very nice. Delicious, as, I, as I remember it. Do you have a we had the, Ro- the Los Angeles special, which is the sausage, the peppers, the onions, and the mushrooms. Delicious. Very nice. Uh, but anyways, you can see how fast those guys can skate when you're up on the ice. Uh, and uh, Game Time offers the biggest last-minute price drops, and they can be found on the seats you never thought you could buy. You won't find a better deal this season on Bulls, Blackhawks tickets, or when the White Sox take action uh, first on April 3rd uh, back here in Chicago. 
Game Time was created by the fans for the fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you'll love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score some of the best seats to all your favorite events. All right, so I shared this on Twitter. The White Sox hit leader since 2014, when Jose Abreu first signed with the White Sox. In 2014, Jose Abreu led the team with 176 hits. In 2015, Jose Abreu led the team with 178 hits. There's a pattern here. Uh, in 2016, Jose Abreu led the team in hits with 183 hits. Uh, in 2017, Jose Abreu led the team in hits with 189 hits. In 2018, Yomer Sanchez led the team <laughs> in hits. Holy hell! <laughs> with 145 hits. Well, that's 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 the year where uh, Jose was on the IL a couple of times, right? Mm -hmm. That's the uh, the non other 30 30 season or 3100 yeah. season for him. Uh, yeah, he ended up playing in 128 that year, and had 132 hits. So uh, he, had, he had two different injuries, I think, that year that knocked him out for a while. Was that the, was he hit by a pitch? Was that what? Well, one of them was the uh, testicular torsion uh, injury, which uh, required a, a procedure, and uh, then he missed some time after that. I do not remember what the other one was. I want to say he was sick. Hip flexor? He had like a flu or something, maybe? Mm. I don't remember for sure. Um, his season ended with a thigh injury. That but it was an, an infection... Stemming from an ingrown hair there on his go. right he leg, was sick. Ooh, so he was yeah. taken down by an infection due to an ingrown hair. Never shaved. Yep. Some some Especially downstairs down problems. There. Yeah, that's that's tough. <laughs> um, is that from shaving? I think that's yeah, that's from. when you ingrown hairs usually come from. At least for right. me. Right. Well, no. I'm, like if I cut, if I shave the wrong way, I'll get definitely some keloids, some ingrown hairs. I can only shave down. I meant the uh, the torsion part. Oh, I don't, I don't know, know where that comes from. I mean, <laughs> if, he's, if he's grabbing extra things, yeah. I, I'd be worried. Um, 117th after Western hearing Sports. After hearing of that, I mean, you know, I was covering the team when that injury happened. For the last five years, I've just been, like, constantly fearful that that's going to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, ugh. Mm, it's that's just terrifying. Yeah, the that's first a, time you brought it up, all four of us went yeah, at yeah, the same yeah. time. <laughs> that's bad. I, I feel like a lot of our listeners with that hardware would probably have harsh. the same reaction. Uh, it's it's gentle down there, folks. Um, again, Roman Ro, Rodaco uh, is our sponsor for that for that area. Um, but uh, <laughs> Jose Abreu uh, led the team back. In hits in 2019, 180 in 2020 uh, with 76 in 2021. That was Tim Anderson when he led the American League with 163 hits, and then in 2022, uh, Jose Abreu back at 183. And I will say right now that Jose Abreu will not lead the team in hits in 2023. Thank I'm you. I'm confident. I'm confident. Uh, interesting though that the year TA won the batting title, he did not lead the White Sox in hits. That was 19, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, what did he end? Jose had a very good year that year as well. Certainly, yeah. Yes, three thirty-five. He led the the league uh, in a batting average, and he had one hundred and sixty-seven hits. Uh, Jose was at one eighty, <laughs> so yeah. it's just uh, one hundred and twenty-three games compared to one fifty-nine. And again, yeah. that's that's what the Sox are going to be losing uh, is just that ability to post every single day. Um, I, d I did love seeing that uh, the Astros going to try to make him not hit ground balls, which is good for him. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that helps. Uh, but what what do we make of the landscape for hit leaders with Jose Abreu gone? I think that co obvious common answer would be Tim Anderson, and I hope that comes true because if Tim hits a lot, the White Sox will win a lot. But I think Tim, as we've seen through his career, gets little injuries every once in a while, so he can't 
post, and that's half the reason why you see Jose Abreu getting all those hits and winning all those hit titles on the White Sox is because he plays every day and because he's a phenomenal talent. If Tim can do that, if Tim can stay healthy the whole year, of course he'll lead because he has the most at-bats, being the leadoff guy, and also he has the hit tool that most people in the league don't have. But for me, it's the new guy, Andrew Benintendi. In the five years that he's played a full season or at least a full 162-game schedule, so 2020's out, he's averaging, let's see, 148.6 hits per year. So that was all that stuff before he comes into his prime. Right now, as a 28-year-old, he's in his prime. We saw what he did in his 27-year-old in Kansas City and New York. I think he's just getting and scratching the surface of where he's going to be. And if he's going to be batting second or third, as Pedro likes him to be, he's going to have a lot of opportunities to get these hits. And remember, no shift as much this year. I know he's not necessarily a guy they shift on a lot, but when they did, he went the other way. So I believe that Andrew Bintendi will have the hits lead on the White Sox, even though he gets injured a couple times, but he doesn't get hit injured as much as Tim Anderson. I think anybody in the top four in that batting order could could be the answer to this question. Um, I think you see from Jose Abreu being the guy. Yes, it's about the games played. It's about the it's a it's about you know getting all the at, at bats and trips to the plate in order to get all those hits. But he was the best hitter on the team, and I think it's very possible that this year the best hitter on the team could be Aloy Jimenez. The best hitter on the team could be Luis Robert, and really. With the exception of Ben Intendi, I don't think any of those four guys are big walkers. You know, I mean, Aloy can do it. He has he has the ability to do that if he wanted to. But it's not like we're talking about these guys to the degree that we would uh, a, an at-their-peak Yoan Moncada or an at-their-peak Yasmani Grandal, right? Even Andrew Vaughn has shown the ability to, 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 you know, know that strike zone pretty well. So I think the answer is probably Tim Anderson at the end of the day. But I think T.A. is a great pick. I think Ben Intendi is a great pick. I think Robert's a great pick. I think Aloy is a great pick. Um, and really, you know, it comes down to, like you said, the game's played, obviously. But if Aloy is the Aloy from the second half of the season last year, why can't he be the guy racking up all these hits? Luis Robert, uh, you know, for for uh, the fact that he hasn't really played that many games over three seasons in, in Major League Baseball, is still getting talked up as a guy who could win the MVP award. So, uh, you know, I think any four of those guys could really be the ones to to top this list. I think the White Sox are probably hoping that it's quite the race between these four guys because that probably means that they're having a nice year offensively. Absolutely. Um, bringing up uh, Aloy Jimenez and his uh, stretch from last year, he ended up from July 6th to the end of the year. Ooh, I thought it would be more than that. I thought I'd find him easier. Mm, okay. Uh, I was trying to see where he ranked uh, with – the MLB. It's probably because it didn't qualify. Do you see if he qualified in those? Well, he, he qualified because he played okay. uh, 78 hits. So Jose Abreu had 98 compared to Aloy. Over that stretch. The yeah, so he had, he had 20 more uh, hits in nine or eight more, seven more games. I'm not good at math. Uh, 80 games compared to 73 well, games. Well, and Abreu, uh, not only was he the best hitter on the team last year, uh, he was one of the top hit getters in baseball last season, correct? At least yeah, in the American League. Him yeah. and Arise yeah. were... Um, he had 183 were last yeah. year. Jose Abreu. 83. That's pretty good. I um, mean, he's undefeated. I would go with your guy, Andrew Vaughn, but well, he's probably going to be batting lower in the in the order, so 
I think he is the highest returning White Sox with hits from last year. Let's get into uh, – no, let me look that up for you. Um, but uh, <laughs> let's get into at least my sportsbook line, and then I'll look that up if, if Vaughn is the the leading hit returner. Um, just kind of placing where you have Benatendi and Vaughn. Uh, right now I have Benatendi at plus 225 to lead the team in hits, uh, and then Andrew Vaughn at plus 450 to lead the team in hits. Uh, so that's four uh, and a half to one, and then two uh, in what – Two twenty fifths to one, uh, but then Tim Anderson's the leader at uh, minus one thirty five. Uh, Luis Robert at plus one ten. Uh, Aloy Jimenez at plus three twenty five. Yoan Moncada at plus five fifty. Elvis Andrews at plus eight fifty. And Oscar Colas ten to one. And then the field thirty to one. So Grandal, think Kevin Sheets gonna have a good year. I'll take your money. <laughs> so I am going to show why I will never be invited on to CHGO bets because I don't know what any of that meant so, that you just said. <laughs> so that's fair. Uh, basically, Tim Anderson would be the favorite. Um, okay, at, sure. At, at yeah. minus one thirty-five, you'd yeah. have to put uh, down a hundred, a uh, hundred and thirty-five dollars to win one hundred. Um, it doesn't seem worth it. No, it doesn't. Uh, if you put down a hundred dollars uh, for Luis Robert to win, you'd win one hundred and ten dollars. Um, so you so you're going in the right direction now. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that, but like also Tim Anderson, you just said, would probably lead the team in hits. Yeah. So, you know, which one's a safe bet? And I just checked out the leaders from last year. Of Thank course, you. Jose Abreu, 183. The second guy is Andrew Vaughn, 138. The inverse. Third guy, any guesses who the third guy in hits last year mm. for the White Sox was? This is all about playing time, so. I know this. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Number three, behind Abreu and Vaughn? Yep. Um... I just think it's very hard to get this person because most of us thought he had a bad year. I think it's t- I think there's two people, and I know. Is it Moncada? It is not Yohan Moncada. Oh. He only had 84 hits. Okay. Oof. Is it Alan Lorenz Pollock? It is Alan Lorenz Pollock <laughs> with his 120 hits, followed by Luis Robert with his 108 hits, Tim Anderson with his exactly 100 hits, and the sixth-place guy is our guy Steven Nelson's guy. Josh Harrison. I thought it was Josh Harrison. 99 <laughs> hits for Josh Harrison last year. Um, so let's go with uh, Steamer projected hits as well. Uh, so Tim Anderson is the projected leader at 172 hits. Luis Robert Jr. at 161 hits. Aloy Jimenez at third with 149 hits. Andrew Vaughn projected only get one more hit, 139. Wow. Uh, he was at 138 last year. Andrew Benatendi at 133. Must be hurt. Yoan Mancata at 126. Oscar Colas at 108, and Elvis Andrews at 107. Uh, ben Attendi does play 128 games where Tim and Luis play uh, 139. They They're also projecting have, him to miss 30 games? Yes. I don't know why. How? Um, and, and then also uh, <laughs> they have Aloy and Vaughn being the team leaders in games played in 141. So is this a games played thing? Who, who, is this, I mean, it certainly who helps plays if the there's most big games? disparities, right? If there's yeah. big disparities, it does. I mean, if Luis Robert has a an injury like he had in each of the, or you know in in 2021, and he misses two months, you know, if Aloy has a third straight year where he misses months, I mean, those are gigantic discrepancies. Guy goes on the IL one time or even twice, you know, it's probably not going to make that huge of a difference in in this particular thing if they're having an otherwise good year. Um, but uh, it, it's missing those huge chunks, and obviously that's what's bedeviled the White Sox over the last couple seasons. The lowest that Andrew Bentini's had in one of those five seasons is 136. He missed significant time that year with only 134 games played for the Kansas City Royals, but I just can't see that happening. If he plays games, if he plays 140 games, he's going to get at least 140 hits. That's what his career says. He's at least a hit per game he plays. Yeah, so, I mean, they have him as, as five more hits than games, 133 hits to 128 games. So, I mean, if you think he's going to play 
140 yeah. games is probably good for like 150. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Tim's showing. How do you project someone will miss a lot of games? His career says he misses a decent amount of games. Not like a, a, a huge chunk. 151, 148, 138, 139, 126. Uh, Stephen is saying that's why he doesn't listen to computer projections. I don't understand Excel. It doesn't mean I think they're wrong. I just, I don't. The the spreadsheet? Yeah, I took a, Software? You know, I took oh. a couple of computer courses and that all <laughs> flew over my head. Um, my mom's an accountant, so, you know. She could have helped you. Didn't you rub like off. To think. Yeah. My dad's a fireman. I can't put out a fire. Oh, wow. Who knew? You can't? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I what do you mean? <laughs> I'd probably call the fire I mean, department. water. Water, Sean. But what is it? If it isn't it if, like an oil? Grease fire. Grease fire. Grease fire, you're not supposed to use water. You're supposed to smother okay. it. See? Yeah. Mm. And put some baking soda in it. Yeah. Baking soda. Gonna, I'm, just I gonna call, I'm just going to call the professionals. I don't know if you guys seen it the other day, and it was at UC Berkeley. There's a guy literally on fire walking through the campus, and... They're telling him to get down, oh, and then yeah. one guy grabs a bike and tries to knock him over. <laughs> I saw Initially, that. I saw it. I was like, is he trying to douse the flames with that bike? But you know, people <laughs> That's are like, what oh, I he's thought dumb. too. He's trying to t- knock the guy down. It was funny as hell, yeah. even though, you know, guy's on fire. It was hilarious to me. <laughs> that bike seemed super heavy, too. Yeah. That guy had to be weak as hell. Or was he, like, trying to gently toss a bike? Yeah, like, like, he was yeah. so lame. Like, and he threw it at his upper body. Throw it at his legs. You yeah. want to try to get him down? Trip his ass like I, that. I don't understand why someone doesn't tackle him. Because then you're him. on fire. I would stop with a drop blanket. and roll, baby. That's would, what they were trying to get this gentleman to do. But then you could stop drop and roll. I mean, you gotta, you know, take one for the team. The bike's not gonna do anything. A man seemed oddly, uh, oddly calm for yeah, being on I, fire too. I, I didn't look into that story because I thought it probably had a bad ending, or a sad, a sad reason why that man was setting. Usually, if a man's setting himself on fire or a person is setting themselves on fire, it's usually um, maybe with a, a protest, a, a protest yeah. in, 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 and it's then they end up dead, and it's sad. Um, so I don't like that. Yeah, so. me either. I'm, I'm good on, was it immolation? Yeah, self-immolation. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's, don't do that, people. We've been around Listen, for a year. This don't is the first time self-immolation has been brought up yeah, on the podcast. You're not, you're not wrong. Yourself <laughs> <on> <laughs> After an 81 and 81 year, you thought maybe it would be mentioned sooner. Yeah. Um, so... Tim is the leader. Wow, quite the transition. Is that what you're going with? Quite the transition. I would say I would say it has to be Tim, especially with the way that you know. I, I don't. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's, I can't project. Th- I can project him to miss games. Do you think Tim's going to have a big year? And if you do, then he would be the obvious choice. But if you right. think, hey, Tim might be sliding backward, and and Andrew Benintendi's really good, maybe you pick Benintendi. Hey. Maybe you're somebody who thinks Luis Robert Jr. is going to win the MVP this year. <laughs> he might he might get a lot of hits to do that. What a and, silly thing to say. And heck, Aloy Jimenez might, is probably the best hitter on the team right now. And, uh, you know, that wouldn't be a bad pick to pick him because the guy who was the best hitter on the team for the last decade pretty much had the hit lead every single year. Well, Only silly people say that Luis Robert Jr. is going to win the MVP. What dumb people. Uh, Pedro Grafal said that. He so, said he could. So did so did this. Herman Sean said he will. Guys, <laughs> these two guys said it too. I Ugh. saw I saw this. I don't know where it was from. I don't think it was from February. But this is he compared him to Alex Gordon. Did you see this? Ugh. In terms of <laughs> defense, right? uh, disappointing. I told them last time. This is Pedro on Luis. Last time I uh, who I said told who him, who is this from? I, I Pedro that's Gofala? what I was, that's what I was saying. I, I I just have the screenshot. I don't know. It looks like it would either be Scott's Merkins. Font or Daryl's font? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have to find out, um, and I, I'll make sure I credit them before the end of the podcast. Uh, but I told them the last time I saw someone work that hard in the outfield uh, was nine-time gold glover uh, Alex Gordon, the way he prepares, 
the way he gets after it. This guy loves to work. When you have that type of worth ethic and that kind of talent, there's no telling what can come of that. That guy has incredible talent, and his attention to detail is off the chart. That combination is a recipe for greatness, really, dot, dot, dot. He's an MVP candidate. So that's Pedro Grafal on it. Uh, that was from uh, Bob Nightingale. There you go. There you go. USA Today. Sure. Uh, I mean, listen, we saw in his rookie year that Luis Robert was doing things in the outfield that were, you know, making your jaw drop and your eyes pop on a nightly basis. Um, he won a gold glove as a rookie because of it. Uh, last year, the defense looked not as good. And obviously he had some health issues that were notably impacting that. One of them being he couldn't see playing in center field because of, uh, you know, with some vision issues stemming from that infection that he had in the middle of the year. Um, but you would like to think that if he was healthy, you would see a lot better routes to, to fly balls and, and some more of those wow plays that we saw so often in that short time period that was 2020. So um, he's got the ability to do it. And, you know, you, you, you scoff at an Alex Gordon comparison. Guy's one of the best defensive outfielders uh, uh, in, in, in that we've had uh, that we've had the pleasure of seeing in our, our generation, right? So um, I think it's probably uh, quite the compliment. And then, of course, you got to remember who it's coming from. Pedro Grafol seems like he'll be making a lot of comparisons to a lot of Kansas yeah. City Royals players. I'll take the <laughs> Alex Gordon defensive thing. Like I just Tony like, La Russa and all the A's. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's right. What, I just won't take the – Hey, uh, you, you talk about what you know, right? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> He's going to be like, oh, he's going to be a regular Eric Hosmer. <laughs> Not now, Eric Hosmer. Come on. <laughs> Man, that Billy A. Hamilton really reminds me of Billy Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> or Terrence Gore. <laughs> or whatever the guys who we had. Former White Sox great Gerard Dyson. Oh, yes. I forgot about him. Didn't he win, like, championships every year, him or Terrence Gore? Like, won, like, three championships in a row just stealing bases. Terrence Gore, yeah. Because Terrence Gore was a, a Royal and a Cub. And then, and I don't he know, was he else. an Astro or in, in 17? He was, he was on the Dodgers in 2020. Okay, there you go. There's three. <laughs> but, no, but they didn't win. The, did they win? 2020? It only has him in uh, as two-time World Series champion, so I didn't know oh. if he got a ring or not. But I'm sure played two did. games. He huh. might not have been on the Cubs uh, playoff playoff roster. I thought he they was, sent one to everyone. I don't know. I mean, hell, the Cubs sent one to Starlin Castro. He went on the <laughs> no, team he, for yeah, years. No, he was on Atlanta. <laughs> and Ricky Renteria. He was on Atlanta in the postseason. He played a game in the postseason for Atlanta in 2021. Oh, there you go. Championship. So. He's, you get Terrence Gore, you win the World Series. That's what it sounds like to me. I mean, he little, might be a little long in the tooth right now, so I don't know if I'm going to get him. But Billy Hamilton does, does the same thing, maybe a little bit better than Terrence Gore. Terrence Gore's 31. Oh, golly. He, how is he 31? <laughs> He's got to be older than that. No way. Billy's 32. Jesus Christ. Gerard Dyson? Any guesses on Gerard Dyson's 36. age? 36. No. 38, okay. Gerard Dyson's 38? 38. Wow. Yeah. I'm very surprised. As someone who's covered him multiple seasons, that is surprising. What was your first year in Kansas City? My only year in Kansas City was 2012. He okay. was on the White Sox two years ago. Yes. He was, uh, <laughs> but he was, uh, he start, his first year was 2010, but his first full, full year was 2012 in KC. So yes. um, you were kind of coming up right when... Gerard Dyson was coming up. Yes, very um, true. Uh, so the one guy I want to bring up is I, I do think the outfielder that will have the most hits is probably Benintendi just because I don't know if Robert will will play. I mean, that's just the biggest concern with Luis Robert. We all know Luis Robert has talent. I mean, you know, that's the easiest thing to to probably say. But I think Benintendi, like, you know, they're looking for him to bat third. Um, and Well, and just he, he brings a consistency. I mean, I think that's probably one of the big – pluses about that signing at all right is that you know what you're gonna get like Andrew Benintendi 
offensive consistency, it's pretty, it's probably very easy for a lot of people to say, yeah, he might have the most hits just because I know roughly how many hits he's going to have. <laughs> yeah, he's not a boomer bust uh, candidate at all. Like Joey Gallo might be in Minnesota where you might get upside of 40 home runs from Joey Gallo or you might get what Joey Gallo has been the last couple of years. Andrew Benintendi's got a floor that is much higher than most. You So you know if he's going to play, he's going to get some hits. But, yeah, if you tell me Luis Robert and or Aloy Jimenez is going to play a bunch of games where they're not going to be hurt and only time they're going to be out is just to get some rest, either one of those guys, as Vinny said, can win both the White Sox hit title and Major League Baseball's hit title, especially Aloy Jimenez. I think a dark horse here who has in one, two, three, four, five, six seasons as a 160 hits or more is Elvis Andrews. If he is really good at second base, who's going to play second base? I don't know. I mean, I see Hanser Alberto being mentioned by our guy, AJ. Um, I'd love to see Hanser Alberto get some run. But if Elvis Andrews is really good at second base, I don't think there's a reason to take him off. He's played 149-plus games in the past two years. He's played 150 before. He's played 160. Like, he just might play the most games because he's the best second baseman on the roster. Like, But, but also, we talked about the lineup he'll more likely than not be at the bottom of the lineup each and every one of those days. So he'll have, just by that, hundreds of plate appearances fewer than the other guys who are at the top of the lineup. So, yeah, he can hit, and he probably will hit, but I don't think he'll get more hits than the people at the top of the lineup, especially because they're just more talented. And secondly, I think those players are, when healthy, they're definitely going to get some hits. And I don't know if Elvis at 36, 36 now, is still going to continue being the guy that he was last year. I'm weary on that, even though I think he's the best option for the White Sox at second base. Well, and, and two, you say, you know, oh, well, he's going to bat ninth. Well, what if he is really good batting ninth? I think a, a lot of folks would be like, we'll just move him up in the order then. Why don't you do that? This White Sox team doesn't really seem built that way, does it? Doesn't it? It seems to me like those top four guys are staying in those top four spots, maybe a different order than we might have uh, suspected, but – Really, I think the only one that could be dropped would be Robert. What do you What do you think? I mean, I think I think you have Tim Anderson, you have Andrew Benintendi. They're going to be batting in the top four spots. You have Aloy Jimenez; he's going to be batting in the top four spots. Really, a a long slump from any of those guys changing the batting order dramatically. I think Robert's probably the only one, just because he's probably got a lot more versatility. You could be like, oh well, we'll put him sixth, and he can still be a power bat kind of thing. I'm not sure that applies to to those other top two guys, especially. I don't know. I mean, especially with the way Pedro talks about the top four, I just feel like that's going to be the top four. Like if if the White Sox top four doesn't hit, I think they're just not a good baseball team. And you know, we have we have other issues there than the lineup. But yeah, no, I, I think it's a fair question. I, I do want to bring up too. This is from Pedro uh, on March fourth. That Daryl and Scott both had this. Um, but Griffola and Benatendi hitting third. I like him in any slot in the order. Right now, I like him in the three hole. I've got my reasons. We'll address those when the time comes. <laughs> Secrets. But I like him in the third hole right now. That's why he's there. It's not by accident. Why, why so secretive? Secrets. Why? It's, it's your thing, the NFL location of baseball. Trying to be secretive about some type of clandestine plan the White Sox have. It's hitting third. Just like tell every me. like every Sean in America doesn't have <laughs> access to fan graphs and can yeah. find all of these numbers themselves. Carlos Correa is sharing his top four baseball stat sites. Like he likes baseball reference, then fan graphs, then Savant, then Brooks baseball. And Pedro Grafal is like you. It is trade secret. We will not let this go. 
This is our secret sauce to winning 92 games this year is Andrew Benatendi batting Also, third. he's already batting third. Exactly. Everyone yeah. knows. You're not going to change it. <laughs> yeah, and, and technically, he does have a higher OPS and OPS plus, I believe, in the three-hole than he does at the two-hole. I think it's negligible because he's batted the most times in his career at the two-hole. And so you could say small sample size for three. And I think also maybe in the eight spot he hits very well, but also it's 15 games. So it's not a huge sample size. So if he's just referencing that, that he actually hits better in the three-hole with the Boston Red Sox, Kansas City Royals, and the New York yeah, Yankees, it's fine. But it's not that like, oh, man, that three-hole is his shit. Yeah, it's it's very minuscule, yeah. <laughs> minuscule the, uh, the difference between that. Um, I want to just point out Le Chatelain. I don't know. My French is bad. Uh, that works. Anyone want to take a shot at that, French? Le Chatelain. Le Chatelain. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't shouldn't think have us try to speak French. <laughs> Benetendi's going to get a huge bump uh, because of the new shift rules. The person that I see benefited the most is Corey Yaz. Seager. Uh, or, or Yaz as well. Uh, but Seager, just because he is pulling the ball uh, in the air, like line drive, pull ball, like that is who is going to be helped the most. Like Joey Gallo isn't going to be helped the most because he's trying to hit it over the fence every single time. If he doesn't hit it over the fence, it's an out. Um, Corey Seager is a pull line drive guy where we've seen Ben Attendee, um, he's changed his bad about prof- uh, profile like with the stadium he's been at, um, but we've seen him largely be an opposite field guy, so I don't even know if the shift's going to affect him that much. No. I think, you know, He's going to just try to put the ball in play. And that's why I have him as my hit leader because he looks like a guy that just adjusts to the situation that he's been presented to him and the pitching that's in front of him and does his best job to get a hit and get on base. Walked the most times in uh, his career last year and got a bunch of hits last year even though he went to a different team. Didn't really play as outstanding in New York. And you see he sacrificed the power just to get on base. And I think more likely than not he'll be back to – getting some of that power back, especially if they're not going to be shifting him in that short porch in right field. Um, and to be fair, too, uh, just last year, uh, shifts weighted on base average uh, for Ben Attendee, 318, uh, versus non-shifts uh, weighted on base of 363. So, hey, uh, may- maybe uh, Ben Attendee will be boosted a bit here, but uh, we'll have to see. I want to see them play baseball. Um, you know, we, we haven't seen that happen yet. We will get some uh, World Baseball Classic coming up tomorrow uh, with Cuba and the Netherlands taking on uh, at 10 p.m. Central over in uh, Taiwan. So uh, very excited to watch some real baseball happening. So uh, what time what is that game? 10 p.m. 10 p.m. our time? Yeah. Okay, so what time is it for them? Golly. Probably a normal time. Yeah. Well, it's the next day. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they could tell us who won <laughs> before that. Goodness gracious. I'm not staying up that late to watch Cuba and Taiwan. At 10 o'clock? At night, no. I gotta. You're really I gotta, going to bed that early. I got a bedtime, man. Sleep. I'm sleeping much more. In Your job is baseball. I got to get the pitch clock. 2023. Sleeping's excellent, man. We got to get the pitch clock on the world excellent. baseball oh, class. Hot takes from Herb. Sleeping is like, excellent. I used to just like sit in the bed and just you know watch TikTok or and or Twitter at 10 o'clock and not go to sleep until one o'clock. I just put my phone down when I hit the bed. Man, wake up at eight. I'm like, man, I'm refreshed as hell. 14 hours ahead. Jeez. So Taiwan is right now in Taiwan. It's six forty-three a.m. So right now it's four forty-three. Well, just a regular afternoon Fast game in Taiwan. Five hours. So what, like noon. I mean, I guess no, I would sure. watch the yeah, game because there. our guys are playing in Luis Robert Jr. and Yoan Mancada. I would watch it for them specifically. Well, and Pine Tar Keyboard said uh, Yo-Yo had. Uh, oh my bad. Yo-Yo had one hundred and sixty hits in nineteen. Um, and if he's back to form, we saw him go two for two in an ex- exhibition for Cuba. Uh, Practice. With, 
a homer. In two walks, uh, maybe maybe the practice player is uh, is ready to bring it to the game. So, did we get answers? What are what are our answers? I don't remember. Our answers I will lock this. in Tim Anderson. I'm going Ben Attendi. Oh boy, I just feel I'm gonna say Aloy Jimenez. Put it out there, make that universe come to the, come to truth. That'd be awesome if it was Aloy Jimenez. I'll Aloy say Aloy Jimenez. I, I think if Aloy uh, is leading the team in hits, he's a DH, which I obviously would love. Um, Let's get into an ad read, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Monday mailback uh, from our lovely, lovely diehards in our Discord. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite teams, so get fitted in the best sports gear around. Foco has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side. Oh, Soldier Field to the front room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leaders in sports merch and collectibles. Foco, F-O-C-O. If you're looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life, Foco's got you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. So check out Foco.com or check the link in the description below. Again, that's Foco.com, F-O-C-O.com. For all non-presale items, just the promo code C-H-G-O for 10% off. Um, Again, Foco.com for 10% off, and their bobbleheads are fantastic. Also want to let you know about the official beer of C-H-G-O, Goose Island Beer Company. They've been Chicago's beer since 1988. I wanted that yesterday, and I'm glad that we have this back in there. I, di- I did love you guys both both honking as well, though. Uh, Goose has a very, very deep beer roster. They have the lovely 312, as you can see in that golden uh, can right there. But in the taller can right next to it is the Bull City 312. Uh, same beer, different can, a little bit of a collector's version for you. Uh, the Bull City edition is on the can on that one. They also have the Blackhawks Pale Ale, which is a lim- limited release. Both of those are uh, neighbors uh, of uh, Goose Island in the West Loop area. Is it West Loop still for United yeah. Center? United Center is yeah. in yeah, West Loop. I'd say side. that's West Loop West, still, yeah. They yeah. call it the West Side, but I would call it Loop. That area. It's, um, the, ed- it's, it's the edge. I mean, it's the edge was, of West Loop. Like, what is it, like 10 minutes for us walking there? Oh, and yeah. we're in the West Loop, so... Technically. Well, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm parking over here on Thursday. Damn walking right. over uh, to the UC. and uh, We're all we're going, all going, we're all on, going Thursday. on Thursday. Oops. Separately, we all like bought tickets or got tickets for Thursday's uh, Big Ten tournament. It's going to be exciting. I'm, we're going to be uh, having fun out there. I'm Go loose. Cats. A, huh? Go Cats. They Who? play Friday. Who are the Cats? Northwestern, dude. I've never yeah, heard of them. but they play that. Friday. Meow. <laughs> oh, I thought they played Thursday. Either way, Go Cats. They got their double bye for the first time in their history. Bums. Uh, Goose Island also has Bourbon County Stout, the Christmas IPA, the Beer Hug IPA series, the Green Line, the Matilda, and the Sophies at Goose Island has two locations that are open and ready to welcome you. Grab a beer right from their innovative tanks at Goose Island Tap Room at 1800 West Fulton or get a smash burger and fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne Brewhouse at 1800 North Clybourne. For reservations to pick up, go to gooseisland.com slash locations Goose Island Beer Company. Can't wait to maybe go back there soon. The Tap Room? Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, we can go tomorrow, or we can go Thursday. We can go Thursday. There we go. Perfect time. Um, we, we uh, you know, between... Uh, well, well, Vinny's going to be there all day. I might be all there all day. So, in between in between sweat sessions, I think it's an 11 o'clock game and a one thirty game, and then the next game's not until 5.30. Quick trip over to the Goose Island. Right Tap before uh, your, your Illini take place. Oh, Jesus, I might need it, because they're playing <laughs> Penn State again, and Penn State is dog-walked the Illini both times they played them. My guy, uh, Jalen Pickett, the six-year senior. And they're like, ooh, we're not going to guard him. Let him be open. And he just keeps on hitting threes. <laughs> Uh, let's jump into the Monday mailbag. We want to thank all of our lovely, lovely 
diehards that have been with us for the full year. If you do want to be a diehard, check out allchgo.com. Uh, diehards get a t-shirt when you sign up. You get a nice little diehard membership card, and you get access to our CHGO lounge. Where you get to chat with us about White Sox, sports betting, Cubs, Bills, Blackhawks. There's channels about everything that your heart desires. Uh, Northwestern. There's a Big Ten one. There's not a Northwestern one specific. Uh, but you can talk uh, Big Ten. Uh, yep. And uh, newslet- newsletter for our diehards coming tomorrow or the day after. Absolutely. Coming soon. Um, so make sure you, you sign up. Uh, let's jump into some diehard questions here. Uh, Kevin, feel free to just flash one. Uh, we got one from Ian Robo here. Um, if we had a player, one of our top players, say what Salvador Perez said about an opposing manager in the same division, how happy or not happy would you be? Would it bother you? Uh, our Chuck talked with Sal Perez, and Sal Perez said, everybody knows that I love him like my dad. I seriously thank God that he put Pedro in my life. I got five gold gloves. At least four I won because of him because he always wanted me to get better. And this is too. Um, I thought uh, this was poignant about your point about the White Sox five-day kind of, let's take it five days at a time. He always wanted me to get better. He doesn't care what the score is. If we're winning by 10 runs or losing by 10 runs, keep doing your job behind the plate. Keep focus. Keep your concentration because at the end of the that year, that counts. I care about you as a player and even outside baseball. It's a family. He means a lot. Um, and then, yeah, he just kind of hypes him up here uh, and saying, like, it's weird not seeing him in Kansas City. So uh, what do we make of Sal Perez hyping up Pedro Grafal? Man's giving credit to where credit's due. And what he's talking about where he's like, if you're down 10 or up 10, doesn't matter. That's process over results. Giving credit to the person that you think developed you into the player that you become is a thing that people should always do. And so I wouldn't mind if Pedro or somebody, Yoan Mancata, talked about a Cleveland Guardian. I want them to talk about somebody in glowing terms, especially if they helped them out in their career to get to where they are. So I have no problem with any White Sox if they were to talk about another opposing player or manager or front office person, give them credit due for what they've done for their career, even if they don't want to, you know, even if they didn't help their career. If somebody came out and said, man, that Jose Ramirez, what a, cha- what a talent. I love his style. I want to be like Jose Ramirez. It's like, thank you. That's a good goal to have. And if Salvador Perez he calls the man like his father, wants to give credit, I have no problem with that. I love that. That's a beautiful thing. No matter what, he's still your brother. He's still your father. It's he's still that link is still there, even though he's on a different team. Because it's at the end of the day, I think Vinny reminds us this time all the time. It's just baseball. It's not life. It's just baseball. It's a game played by silly adults who happen to be good at it. So I want that credit. I want people to be giving credit words to. Yeah, I mean, building off of that, this is why would anyone have a problem with this, right? I mean, I think you've got to remember that the baseball uh, players and and the coaches, the managers, they do not think like you guys, like you fans do. They do not say, what, a jersey that isn't mine, I hate them. They don't say that because of two reasons, right? There's the personal. Herb, you brought it up. Salvi Perez loves Pedro Grafol. Why would why would he not want him to succeed? He 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 loves this guy. He's probably thrilled that he has this opportunity finally. One he's been working his entire life to get. He's a he's a person uh, that's very important to Salvi in his life. So of course he wants what's best for him. And number two, there's the business thing of this, right? Because why would you if you're a major league baseball player? There's only thirty uh, companies you can work go work for, right? Right. 
So why would you, you know, in the way that player movement happens today, what, you're going to sit here as a rookie or a second-year player and say, you know, boy, I hate those Cleveland Guardians because I play for the White Sox, or boy, I hate those Kansas City Royals because I play for the White Sox. Guess what? You might be on that team next year. That's just how, that's how this industry works, right? So um, I don't think people look at opposing teams as something to dislike. They just look at it as another company in their industry kind of thing, and uh, that's the baseball element of it. And then obviously there's the personal. Salvi and Pedro have a very close connection, right? But then there's just guys who are your friends or your workplace associates, right? Uh, I put a, a, a picture up on the, uh, on, the, on the website of the diehard newsletter that's going up tomorrow, and it's a picture of Mookie Betts and Andrew Benintendi yucking it up with each other. Former teammates in Boston, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now one's on the Dodgers, one's on the White Sox. They don't care about the Boston Red Sox, but they're still friends. Of course, they want what's well, uh, you know the other to succeed, so it makes total sense. Right. Uh, again, it's, it's a business for these players, and for us, it's a, a lifetime devotion, which, you know... Th- obviously creates some inequities and I think that's why you know Tim Anderson's comments where he mentions the fans is just always a bad place to go down because like as much as you care and you are paid for it the fans just you know they, they're fanatics um right so you know it's it's I have no problems with it um Matt Quattraro might be like hey, what the hell you <laughs> Damn, did you not want me? But I don't really care. I don't think that either. I bet Matt Quattraro knows Pedro Grafol, and I bet right. he's very happy <laughs> for him too, right? They're <laughs> both Florida boys. I mean, as a fan Actually, of the White no. Sox. Quattraro's from the Northeast. I mean, he's been a little time Maybe. in Florida last year. Um, I think we're fans, and we marveled at how well the Guardians played last year. There was no hate on my side about the Cleveland Guardians. They're beautiful. That's beautiful baseball. That's baseball that you're supposed to play. And I think every White Sox fan, if they're honest with themselves— they would want their team to play like that. And so, yeah, you should always uh, look to other teams and say, hey, man, what the, those people are doing over there or that individual player is doing over there is beautiful, and I like what he's doing. Absolutely. Like, there's no there's no hate. There shouldn't be any hate. No, I mean. Even though the Twins are garbage. G- games haven't started, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Uh, can we go to the uh, next diehard uh, question here, Kevin? Uh we can go to uh, Stephen Gottrett, who asked, in the event of an injury at this time, in what order would you call up the minor league pitchers in a starting pitching role? In all honesty, I haven't recognized more than half of the names of the pitchers they've been using in games. Uh, Jesse Schultens is a new name for, for some. Uh, Brian Shaw is a new name, speaking of Cleveland. Uh, I guess there is that guy uh, who was on the, the Fuck Tony <laughs> team and now is on, on, on the White Sox, but uh, he's not going to be starting. Nope. Uh, it seems like Davis Martin is the Well, he's the obvious starter. answer. I yes. think the, the question probably is getting at who's after him, right? And uh, great question. Yeah. <laughs> you know, great question. Sean Burke has gotten a lot of hype um, at camp as the guy within the system who's probably the ready, the next guy who's ready to jump up there. Uh, he was just sent to, to minor league camp uh, yesterday. Uh, so he obviously won't be uh, with the team on opening day, but he's a guy who's getting a lot of uh, – you know, nods from the from the coaches and the and the front office folks uh, as someone who's who, to, to keep an eye on in the minor leagues. So um, that's a name I can throw out there. But you know what? I don't know. It might be Jesse Schultons. It might be AJ Alexi. Um, they signed some guys over the offseason. I don't think any of them were terribly uh, exciting to the fan base. But that's what depth is. It's the person that you can call on when something goes wrong. Uh, whether they will succeed or not, of course, is a, a different story. Before he got injured with the uh, Tommy John surgery, John Deceiver and Jimmy Lambert used to come up all the time and give you those starts that he's talking about. 
now that Stever might be on the other side of that Tommy John surgery and maybe healthy, that'll be a player I would look at after Davis Martin, maybe after uh, AJ Alexei, um, just because he's done it before to varying degrees of success, more uh, bad success. And that was the same thing with Jimmy Lambert when he used to come up as a starter. It's like, Ugh, I'm good on this. But hopefully Jonathan Stevers learned a couple things in his minor league stint and his year away of being a uh, Tommy John guy. Yeah, I, I, I think the reports were saying that he was sitting like 91, 92, so not great. I don't know if he's fully back, but, uh, you know, that's something to watch. I know that he was a guy that was probably pumping around 94, mm-hmm. uh, so he's still not at where he was before the injury, but still spring training. Well, I think the big name to remember here in this whole conversation is Davis Martin, because were we answering this question with Davis Martin a year ago? Nope. No. And, so, and then he came up and became very reliable. So the answer to that question might just be the guy who looks the best in AAA when, uh, when, when that need arises. Uh, and perhaps he turns in to a reliable Davis Martin type, or perhaps it's thrown to the wolves one day. He gives up seven runs and goes right back to Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that happens a lot, too. <laughs> minor league camp is still going on, too. So, I mean, some guys could be making impressions on backfields right now, and we, we were really unaware of that. Uh, but Schultons uh, is behind Lance Lynn in innings pitched. I wouldn't be surprised for him to see a decent amount of work. Uh, we talked about this, and we'll talk about this guy in a little bit, but Tanner Banks, um, you know, he's a guy that has a decent amount of length. I don't know if he'd be a starter, but he could probably start Sparks, uh spot start for you. He could start a bullpen day, absolutely. Yeah, he can yeah, give right, you about, yeah. you know, three innings if, if you're lucky. And uh, there is a guy, Lane Ramsey, very uh, clean, very uh, smooth delivery, 6'9", really has never had the uh, the volume of a starting pitcher, but um, I don't know, it just seems kind of effortlessly. He's and very tall. Very tall, 6'9". See him uh, walking around uh, camp and you're like, oh, hi. Is he taller than uh, Noah Schultz? Lucas? Noah Schultz? Uh, I don't know. What's Noah Schultz listed as? 6'9", I think. I think yeah. six, nine. Also very tall. Yeah. So, Noah Schultz uh, is also very tall. I'm, I'm on the lane train. I'll, I'll say that. But yeah, 6'9", six, six, for uh, Schultz as the well. The only thing with people that tall, repeatable mechanics. A lot of levers, a lot of things. Simple. Huh? I'm telling you, it's simple, baby. 6'9"? It's simple. So just repeat all that thing you got to do? There, there's no, but there's no motion. It's, it's, it's out of the stretch. But all those levers coming at you? You got to do the same thing every once in a while. I'm telling you, he looks like he's 6'4". I'm I'm telling you, I'm just saying. What does that mean? What does that that mean? He doesn't look like he's, it doesn't look like it's a a lanky 6'9", Lucas Giolito, all these limbs coming at you. It's a very fluid, compact 6'9 delivery. I'm not really worried about repeatability. I am. All right. Hey, I don't know shit, though. Whatever. Um, let's get to the next <laughs> mailbag question. Uh, we already got that one for Steve. Yeah, uh, other Sean saying, with Garrett Crochet and Liam Hendricks being unavailable, who do you think makes the pen to start the season? Graveman, Kelly, Lopez, Bummer, guaranteed. Ooh. Ruiz, Lambert, Diekman are good bets. That leaves one spot for Martin, uh, Avila, Shaw, Foster, or whoever. Uh, let's start with Graveman, Kelly, Lopez. They are locks. Yes, sir. Aaron Bummer. I mean, I think if healthy, he's a lock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, though, that uh, we need to find out more, right? I, I He seems very confident that he'll be ready for opening day. Pedro Grafol says he's on pace for to be healthy and ready to go. Um, but we'll see. I, I think that uh, there's nothing wrong with taking a little bit more time here in the early portions of the season. I mean, if, you, if you're the White Sox, you believe in what Aaron Bummer can do on the mound, and you say, boy, I really want that guy for September and October, then why wouldn't you say, okay, take a – Take an extra week or two here at the beginning of the season. Baseball will be there for you uh, uh, in a moment. So we'll see. 
Uh, but uh, there's, it's also very possible that, you know, he had he brought all this up to, to the reporters saying, oh, hadn't been off the mound yet, but he had a month. You know what I mean? That's a long time to, to, to get completely ready to go. So uh, it's definitely possible he could be there, um, but maybe you make two drafts of your roster projection, one where Aaron Bummer is healthy enough to open with the team and one where he uh, is, is maybe a little bit delayed. Yeah, assuming health. Those people we named are going to make the team. But Davis Martin, probably not in my bullpen because I want him to be available for spot starting. So I'll have him keep down there in the minor league camp and then go to the minor leagues when it's uh, possible to get stretched out to pitch the six or seven innings you need to instead of doing the Vince Velasquez thing last year where you're spot starting and then you're coming in for uh, middle relief, things like that, which is going to mess your rhythm up. I think he's a very valuable piece to this White Sox organization, but I don't think as the 13th man on a 13-man bullpen would do him or the White Sox well. So I would take more of a flyer if there's a guy out there that has, you know, the, the Anderson Severino type of guy where he can't find the, the zone, but he has flame, he has some, some good stuff, I would take a flyer on the 13th man on a 13-man bullpen instead of a guy that you know is going to do well or do all right in his rookie year like Davis Martin. So uh, if A.J. Alexei or all those players that we've named, Schultons, want to be that long relief guy, I would go with them or the Avila guy instead of well, Davis Martin. We're thinking the, eight. Eight for the bullpen, right? Because one, two, 13, oh, 13 pitchers. for the total, sorry. 13 pitchers, five starters. Yes. You go with eight in the bullpen. Yeah, I don't think Davis Martin will be making that that bullpen. I think he's too valuable to have as that guy who can come up and start. Well, and I want to mention Avila, too, because uh, he was a Rule 5 draft pick. If they do not include him in the bullpen, they have to send him back to San Francisco for 100 k Or I, get some compensation, right? Or do work out a deal? Yeah. But, um, I don't think that they're going to just send him back. I think they did give him some run. We saw early last year that not only Tanner Banks, uh, due to injuries, got some run, but also our guy, uh, Bennett Souza, uh, who's now, I think, in Cleveland. Um, uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yes. Um, but I, I think that Nick Avila is probably going to get a chance here. And he's, he throws like 97. I mean, he's kind of that, that, that guy. Uh, long, lanky, yeah. um, but with, you know. What does he look like? How tall does he look when he pitches? Uh, he looks, <laughs> well, he's listed at 6'4". I don't but, care what he's listed as. I want to know what he looks like. I, he listed at 6'4", but I think he probably is about 6'5". You know, probably 6'6". Six, six. He, he looks a little bit more lanky. I don't know if the repeatability is there, but... 194 ERA last year at single this A, is, friends. This has been scouting with Sean Anderson. Yeah. Um, and yeah. The minor league pitcher. So of the, why hasn't someone hired me? I'm the so minor good league at this. Boston <laughs> Red Sox pitcher. Frank of the German. League, right? Oh, that's Frank German. Frank oh, not German. Avila. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, oh, Avila's from San Francisco. Oh, I forgot about Frank German. Mm. Well, um, there's Gregory Santos, Por- too. Portland. Yeah, Portland Casper, who was, who was calling him Franklin Herman. Oh, my was God. Was he really? Oh, oh game. Yeah. Len, we'll send you, we'll send you we'll, the. Uh, we'll hit you up. The, uh, release, the press release with the pronunciation in there. But yeah, I think, I think Avila is the guy who benefits from this, um, you know, number of guys in that bullpen who won't be there for opening day. Of course, you've got Liam Hendricks going through what he's going through. I think he uh, Instagram today that he. Uh, going through round three of, of chemo today, so all the best to him. Um, and then you've got Garrett Crochet, of course, who Rick Hahn said will probably be re- back and ready with the Major League team in about mid-May. So uh, you got to get some guys to fill in uh, in between there. There, I think Avila is the guy who benefits the most, but I think it turns Jose Ruiz from a will he make the bullpen to, yeah, Jose Ruiz is still in the bullpen. I think the only question is, do they want a long man? And sometimes you don't need one, you know what I mean? Or sometimes teams don't think they need one. I think Banks is probably the guy who would be that innings eater type. But 
I think their hope is that they have fresh starters, you know, who aren't who aren't physically hurt right now, who can who can soak up a lot of those innings, uh, and they won't need to take Lance or Dylan out in the fourth inning, and need, you know need a guy to to go pitch for three. Um, those kinds of things usually trigger a bunch of moves anyway, right? Hey, the guy just threw three innings. He's not going to be available for another three days. We should just make a move and bring somebody else up here. But, um, yeah, I think I think everybody else is slam dunk. Graveman, Kelly, Lopez, uh, Lambert, Diekman, and I would say Bummer is a slam dunk. If Bummer can't go, there's one name. If you want a dark horse name, and I only bring this up because Pedro kept bringing him up at spring training. Sox have a minor leaguer named Edgar Navarro, who is yeah. just getting rave reviews from Pedro Grafol. He is, I will, we were comparing it. I think he is Pedro Grafol's version of Carlos Perez, who at every, at every opportunity, the last two springs, Tony La Russa would talk about how much he thought, how good he thought Carlos Perez was. Now we've got Pedro Grafol bringing up Edgar Navarro. So uh, I guess you could keep that name in the back of your brain. But I think uh, the bullpen, maybe not easy to figure out because they have a lot of options. You know, we just ran through a lot of names. But I think you lean more toward the veteran guys, the established guys, and then a guy like Avila who, you know, roster rules would um, dictate maybe a, a, a benefit to keeping him on the, on the big league roster for opening day. Yeah, I think the eight that you mentioned are, are pretty on point. I had Graveman, Kelly, Lopez, Diekman, Ruiz, Avila, Lambert, and then the one kind of missing there would be Aaron Bummer if healthy. Um, but if not, I think Tanner Banks is probably a, a decent name to fill in there. I think just he, he proved yeah. that he could be, you know, reliable. Reliable. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he wasn't the best out there, but again, a long man and also another lefty. Um, I think you probably need that versatility. Um, you just don't want to be having Diekman alone there. But again, it's opening day because guys get injured, guys might be healthy. We don't know the status of Liam Hendricks. Um, I mean, what we've heard from camp is, you know, obviously he's going through round three of chemo, but he's at camp. He's throwing down the right field bull, bullpen. He's telling people on the team that he wants to play. So, I mean, I'm, you know, again, we don't know the status of what he will or yeah, won't and do. Yeah, probably we won't for for at least a couple of weeks, I'd yeah. imagine. So, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with, uh, with the bullpen, but it uh, seems like the likely eight, but maybe Edgar Navarro makes a little bit of a, a, an impression here. Maybe Lane Ramsey makes an impression here. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, anything else you want to? No, I'm good. All right, cool. All right, uh, let's go to the next mailbag question here. Uh, from our guy Ryan Peterson. Uh, Berger and Sheets keep getting a lot of run, uh, and they both have power. Berger first-rounder, Sheets a second-rounder. If they are not on the Sox, are they good enough to swap for starting pitching depth during the season? And is there any question that Colas is starting in right field? Um, I would still say the Colas right field thing is up in the air. It's a competition. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got uh, – I, I, I would say that it's more of a playing time competition right now than it is a, uh, you know – a roster spot competition. I think that both Colas and Sheets make this team. Obviously, we know that uh, we have to uh, bring up, this is like, you know, some sort of legal requirement that we have to bring up Aloy Jimenez uh, just because <laughs> Pedro has brought him up so much. But um, I, I think it is, can Oscar Colas be the starting or the right fielder or do they go in with a, a timeshare of some kind? Um, I think Oscar Colas is doing enough to, to earn very positive reviews right now. And, um, from what you can gather, there might not be uh, anything that would prevent him from getting that starting job right now. But, of course, there's still three weeks left of, uh, of Cactus League games, a little more than that, actually, I think, you know, just about just a little over three weeks. So um, we'll see how that rolls out. But uh, in terms of that burger sheets part of that question, um, I mean, yeah, but what are you expecting back kind of thing? You know what I mean? Like Jake Berger is a guy right now who is blocked on his own team. So what is, what is the trade value as – 
him with the White Sox right now, right? Because the only thing the White Sox can use him as right now is a guy to call up when somebody gets hurt. And that's not really the most valuable thing in baseball. Obviously, there might be a team out there that could use him and, and start him somewhere. Who knows if they need a first baseman? But um, I wouldn't expect a ton back just because of what he is to the White Sox. Uh, and with Sheets, who knows? Maybe Gavin Sheets can come in and, and grab a fairly hefty portion of that timeshare in right field. Uh, and if that's the case, then he's pretty valuable to the White Sox. Yeah, just like Vinny said, if these guys play, that means somebody got hurt. Now there you can increase your value as those individual players. But as of now, no one's going to be throwing a starting pitcher back to the White Sox for either Berger or Sheets. Uh, now it only takes one team to do it. But I don't think those guys project to be major leaguers on the White Sox team starting. And if they were, the White Sox would covet them and keep them themselves. So I don't know if you're going to get a starting pitcher and a starting pitcher that you would want for these guys unless they have enough time to show their wares, 100-plus games, whatever. And then at that time, if they're doing that damn well, why would you trade them? Absolutely. Um, shout out to Dan, who says smash that like button. Uh, you, over an hour-long podcast, and we're still going, folks. If you like the content, please uh, give us a, a thumbs up here. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, like, if Gavin Sheets is good, why, are the White Sox necessarily trading him? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't they use a good Gavin Sheets? Been craving lefty power for a while now. They think they're going to get it from Oscar Colas. What if they get it from Gavin Sheets? Nothing wrong with that, right? Right. <laughs> and, and, and Jake Berger, too, it's just like, again, like, what, what does he do? Um, like, he, he is a good power bat, but it really seems like someone would take a flyer on him. And you're right, it takes just one team. But we saw Nicky Lopez rumors. I don't think we're going to see, like, Jake Berger or Gavin Sheets rumors, right? Like, I think if a deal happens... It's happened, and you know we'll 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 just kind of react from there. But I think it would be tough to predict a, a Jake Berger is interested by five teams. You know the yeah, Jake I mean, Berger sweepstakes. Jake Berger is a minor leaguer right now. I mean, you know, maybe he on another team that might not be the case. But he's a he's a minor leaguer who can't crack a twenty six man roster with the organization that he's with. Most likely, um, how what do you expect to get back from that from that kind of player? Right. Right. One more here, uh, and then we'll wrap up the mailbag Monday. Uh, from our good guy. I believe we only had four in only there. Three? Ian, other Sean, Ryan, and Steven. Are there. All right, yeah, four already. Already. All right yeah. cool. Uh, can you show the weird Mets scoreboard? And yeah, this is hilarious. What this is this? This is objectively hilarious. That's the new Mets scoreboard. Why is it so um, big? Why is it so big? They, they, they had a picture. <laughs> I'm going to sh- do that. They had a picture and showed the old scoreboard, <laughs> and it was literally, like, honestly, like, it took up. Yeah. For anybody, I was away from my mic, but it, it was it, the old one was small. I mean, the Kansas City Royals have something similar, but it makes sense because it's in like a Royals type of shape. But it's not that ginormous and like so taking your eye off of everything else in the atmosphere. I love City Field; it's a great field. I don't know what drove them to have a bigger scoreboard. I understand probably more money and more availability to put your ads up on there, but that's just a monstrosity. I'll tell you what. Uh, every time I go to Kansas City and there's that giant scoreboard in center field, I always wonder how is it standing up. And so now you've got a bigger one, and I would just be sitting there the whole time being like trying to do math to see am I out of the way of this thing if it were to tip over. (laughs) See, I have that fear with like – no, I have that fear with like street lamps. Like just modern day, like you you know, there's what, six on every single street? I have that fear that those things are going to come down crashing on me. So, no, I am with you. I that, I just that score scoreboards like that. Ugh. Boom. Ugh. Ugh. Walking around all these tall buildings in Chicago makes me sick. 
You think a building's going to fall at you any never, point? You never know. There's that one, one on time. the riverfront, the world's most structurally unsound building that is yes. shaped like this. <laughs> that one I'll give you, but uh, other than that, yeah. There is uh, one time I was walking, and it was obviously construction going on in the building, and I, was, I had my water bottle, and I was ready to drink from my water bottle, and then a big wad of spit landed on it. So you never know what's going to fall from uh, up, up above. Sure, but that's just someone spitting off the top well, of the building. And it was gross. And ruined my day. <laughs> what if, and then what if a giant piece of metal falls and ruins my day? And I die. You know, that'd be sad. That would ruin your day. So there you go. It's like um, the falling ice in the winter. It's actually scary. That actually happens, right. though. Yes. Not a building falling. That's a little irrational, I All think. Right. But well, <laughs> it is my... Kevin's yeah, just crushing you over yeah, here. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Damn, go sing Green Day, Kevin. Um, that's going to do it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, that's going to uh, do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at... Sh- or you can follow the podcast on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. Uh, that's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at EcknerWall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to Kevin Wells for producing this show. And we will talk to you tomorrow live on the CHGO White Sox podcast at 4 p.m.